Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. This is Nick Galetti from the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. Our guest on this episode is noted speaker and scholar Brad Wilcox. He has a new book out from Deseret Book entitled Because of the Messiah in a Manger. This is a Christmas-themed episode, a Light the World initiative supporting episode, and we're grateful for all of those that have joined us for the first time and that may be wanting to get into that Christmas spirit. We hope that this podcast will not only do that, but will inspire you to take part more fully in the church's Light the World initiative that's going on this holiday season. Let's get right into our interview with Return Mission President, Speaker, and Scholar Brad Wilcox. All right, our guest on this episode is Brad Wilcox, and he has written a book that was just released by Deseret Book, and it's called Because of the Messiah in a Manger, and it was kind of pitched to me as how to get more out of the holiday season. <laughs> That's uh, a nice pitch, whoever pitched it to you. <laughs> I think it was a publicist from from Deseret Book, and so I guess it's not really a how-to manual. That That may not give a good impression. But uh, this time of year, missionaries experience it differently in unique ways, but everybody experiences the holidays in, in different ways, and some of those people can be very uh, kind of sad. Yeah, I was talking to two singles just recently, <laughs> mid-singles, uh, a young woman and a young man, and both of them said that the holidays are not a happy time for them. Yeah. That it kind of accentuates their aloneness and makes them feel very vulnerable and very sad. And I think the reason that that happens, not just to singles, but to so many, is because Christmas kind of represents an ideal. Uh, it's the, the, the ideal gift, the ideal tree, the ideal moment, the ideal family. And so it kind of lets you kind of slaps you in the face with the fact that you're not living this ideal. Yeah. And I think that's one of the dangers of taking Christ out of Christmas. Uh, everybody's all politically correct about happy holidays and very afraid to talk about Christmas because they want to take Christ out of it. But the minute you do that, then you've taken away the very thing that can help you when you are feeling far from the ideal. Yeah. This ideal life is something that's out there, and Christmas reminds us that we are not there. And yet, if we celebrate Christmas without Christ, then we are turning our back on the very power that can help us move in that positive direction. Yeah. And it's it's a challenge in many ways, not just you know, mid-singles. People can find loneliness in a lot of different ways during the holidays because sometimes it's the, here's another year that's passed and you can reflect very easily on these monuments in your life. Yeah. And, I've spoken at yeah. the prison oh. and I've spoken there during the holiday season. Yeah. And that is a very devastating time for many of the men and women that I've spoken to because of that very thing. Yeah. 
So your your book, in many ways, we'll get to and, and talk about how it's a can be a remedy <laughs> in some respects because for people. It, it, because Christmas can be a remedy. Yeah, Christ can be a remedy. I think I in the book I share a funny story about doing a question and answer with some teenagers. Yeah, and this girl uh, sent me a little question, and it said. If it's called the plan of happiness, then why am I so miserable? Yeah. Hashtag false advertising. <laughs> yeah. That's what she wrote. Yeah. And I think all of us kind of deal with that, especially during a Christmas season. Sure. And we kind of have to say, okay, it's not hashtag false advertising. I think it's a matter of remembering that joy is not just fun or not even just happiness. But joy is something that's deeper. Uh, Elder Bednar spoke recently at a devotional at BYU, and he talked about how joy is a state of being, a condition, and that as we look at that, then we realize that becoming like God, becoming like Christ, growth, reaching potential, these aren't always happy experiences because it requires all that we have to give. Yeah. But even though it's not fun, it can still be joyful. So I said to that girl, I said, don't think hashtag false advertising. Think hashtag choose Christ. Hashtag find joy. Hashtag choose joy. And I think as we keep that perspective, then the holidays, Christmas, even for people who are lonely and sad and alone, and even for those who've gone through traumatic experiences in the past, it can be a joyous time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we, uh, we of course, are a missionary-centric podcast, and you've served both a, a proselyting mission and as a mission president. Yeah. Where did you serve your proselyting mission. As a young man, I served in Chile in a mission called Viña del Mar. At the time, it was a brand new mission. Oh, okay. Now it's as old as I am. But I served there and then I had the wonderful opportunity of going back to the very same country and serving another mission in the Chile-Santiago East mission. Okay. So yeah, great times. Now, I guess one question could be is how different those are, should be very different experiences, I would assume, from being a missionary and as a mission president. Yeah, and uh, it, uh, it, 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 there were some, there were some uh, highs and lows to both of them. Sure. And the one certainly prepares you for the other, but, uh, but yeah, I remember Christmases in the mission field with some, some tenderness. Well, I, I would assume that when we're talking about loneliness and the joy that people may want to find, deeply want to find that a missionary in the field kind of has a very poignant experience with that because it is one of the few times they get to talk to family. Yeah. But it's also that same day that you have to recognize that you aren't around them. And that all these traditions that have been such a part yeah. of your life and all these family traditions, suddenly you're not, you know, going through all those motions. Yeah. And so it is kind of strange. And I think especially for young people where for many of them, this is their first Christmas away from home. Right. Um, yeah. And that does get tricky. I'm grateful that David Archuleta, ever since he got back from his mission, he also served in Chile, by the yeah. way. Um, but or in Cagua, I believe. Ever since he's gotten back from his mission, they keep inviting him to go to, to uh, the MTC on oh, Christmas. okay. And he always goes and spends Christmas with the missionaries, and I just love it because— He's a good guy. They know that he's been there. 
they know that he's been a missionary too. And so when he speaks and when he sings to them, it kind of takes on extra meaning because they know he's been through what they're going through. Absolutely. My first missionary Christmas was in the MTC. Oh, really? And Elder Worthlin and his family came and did a fireside for oh, us. Oh, how special. On Christmas. It was incredible. And you know, you have to, hats off to Elder Worthlin, hats off to um, Elder, hats off to David Archuleta, because that's a sacrifice. A huge to one. To step away from your own family time yeah. and be able to focus on the missionaries. And it is it is one of the most Christ-like service, you know, acts of service that, that you could have as an example to be with those that are in need and yeah. lonely. And, and we don't, again, often think of missionaries as lonely, but they really are. Yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, those are tender times. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, I remember in our mission when we would get together for a little Christmas conference with the missionaries. I remember one year having the missionaries sit in a circle. We rearranged all the pews in the chapel to be in a big circle. And then we did some Christmas songs, including one of my favorites, Angels We Have Heard on High Glow. I love that one. But I I told the missionaries, I said, the shepherds, that heard the angels singing were away from home. Yeah. They were out tending sheep. And I think sometimes missionaries who are out in the field tending sheep are the ones who hear angel songs that others don't hear because they're at home, comfortable, in their own routines and in their own beds. Yeah. And as we step out of those routines, I think we do get to hear angel songs wherever we are. And uh, I've had some sweet missionary Christmas experiences. When I was a young man, my companion decided that we were going to make a gift for every family in the in the branch because we wow. were in a very small branch in a little town in northern Chile. We were the only missionaries within hundreds of miles. And so we cut up a bunch of old Joseph Smith pamphlets that had some illustrations <laughs> in them. Okay. And then we kind of varnished them onto some old wood that we found <laughs> and kind of gave the gave gave a little varnished picture of <laughs> of from the Joseph Smith pamphlet to each of the members. It was kind of a silly little gift, but but that meant a lot to those to those members. And even later, as I went back to that city as an adult, as a mission president, and got permission to travel back to some of my former areas, there were still families that had that hanging on the Really? Walls. Yeah. That's sweet. And so, yeah, I think those little efforts that you make are kind of become their own reward. Yeah. We were, when we were, when my wife and I were serving, a lady had a son in the mission and she called me and she said, my friends and I want to get a little fundraiser going and we want to send you some money. What do you need? And I said, oh, we really need to pay for some divorces. Because, you know, down in Chile, everybody lives together because divorces are so expensive. Oh, I didn't know that. Unrealistic to get. And so the hardest thing the missionaries have to do is get people divorced and married (laughs) so that they can get them baptized. Wow. And so (laughs) I said, we need divorces. There's this long (laughs) silence on the other end of the phone. And this lady says, I don't think I can get my friends whipped up about paying for divorces. (laughs) She says, I was thinking more like temple clothes. 
I said, great, let's do double clothes. (laughs) And so they had raised some money, and they'd raised enough that they helped us purchase. We were able to provide a full set of temple clothes, which was especially meaningful because it was when they were remodeling the Santiago Temple. Okay. And previously, there had been a laundry inside. Now, the church was saying, please get your own temple clothes. Yeah. And they were subsidizing it so that it was affordable, but it was still quite a stretch for some of those members. So we told every missionary in the mission, not just every companionship, but every missionary, that because of these generous donations, they could give a full set of white temple clothes, a full set of temple clothes to to a faithful member in their ward or a recent convert who, who may not be able to afford it. And all the stories that came back from that the beautiful tears from people who were so touched by that. And uh, the missionaries dubbed the whole thing White Christmas. Yeah, and it I like was, that. And it was a really special moment at a time where the thoughts of the members were turning toward the temple as it was being remodeled and as President Hinckley was preparing to come and do the rededication. So, it, again, those are special moments. Yeah. And I think, would I give up my little family traditions? No, I wouldn't give those up. But when I have stepped away from them, I've heard the angels singing. Yeah. As, as uh, missionaries out in the field often find great success, I think, during the holiday season because people are in tune with Christ and the message of service and love. and Well, and maybe and they're not that. so quick to slam a door. Yeah. But yeah. just a little more quick to... To be welcoming and kind instead of saying no room in the inn. Yeah. Uh, one of the people that I still stay in contact with was someone that I met as we went and hung candy canes on people's doors with a little Christmas message. And they were a potential investigator that we just hung a candy cane on their door. And we ended up teaching him and husband got baptized and they're still married in the temple and oh. everything today. And there's just there's something an angel sweet song. about it. Absolutely. There's something sweet about that time of year and and how it can help reach people. Um, I'll tell you a special experience we had just the other day. I had been going with the missionaries to teach a lesson to a man in our ward who has not been a member but has been married to a member of the church for four years. And he finally committed to baptism. Awesome. And it was so sweet to be there with him in that moment. And uh, the sister missionary said, I think you should choose your own baptismal date. And his wife said, do it on the 24th of December because that's my birthday. And I said, well, my birthday is the 25th of December. So who are you going to please, me or your wife? And he said, my wife. (laughs) But then he asked me to baptize him on the 24th. So there's a magical Christmas miracle. Oh, yeah. And I just love having been even a small part of that and to be invited to do a baptism on the 24th. It's a going to be something that I'm so excited to be a part of because I know that that's going to bring a completely Christ focus to my Christmas. Yeah. And I just am so excited for our ward. I'm so excited for them and uh and I'm just thrilled. I think what a wonderful gift birthday gift to a wife who has been praying for this. Yeah. 
And you do bring up that you were born on 25th yeah, of December. Right on 25th. I always know when the security guards at the airport are really doing their job and when they're not, you know, because they'll look at my license and <laughs> yeah. then they go, oh, oh. you're a Christmas baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you share that in the introduction to your book. And so you you say that this is a, it's not a distraction to have your birthday. You, you actually like that. I do. I think it's because my mom went, to so many extra miles to make sure that I didn't end up warped because of it. <laughs> yeah. She was so afraid that I'd get forgotten that I think she went the extra mile. She used to sign have a big sign in our house that said, Happy birthday to Jesus and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah. always made sure we had two Christmas trees, one for Jesus and one for me. <laughs> And uh, my brothers, the idea was they were supposed to put a gift for me under each tree so that my birthday wouldn't be forgotten. Well, it worked really well until my older brother gave me a pair of mittens. And he put one under the Christmas tree and one under the birthday tree. And everything went downhill after that. Now all the socks are split. <laughs> Everything's split. <laughs> my cousin sent me a card one year that said, being born on Christmas is quite unique because you never know who brought you, the stork or Santa Claus. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's been fun through the year, through the years. And uh, we still have two trees up in the house. Do we you? don't have to sign anymore. <laughs> but we've got a birthday tree tree and a Christmas tree. And it's been kind of a fun tradition, even for my own kids to, to grow up with that. And it's, it just kind of adds a little extra sparkle to the season. Sure. Yeah. My daughter was born on the 27th. Which, oh, really? So it's close enough that she, she has her, uh, her moments where it's, where it's tough, but. My mom always laughs. She said, Brad, she said, having you on Christmas gave me a whole new appreciation for what Mary and Joseph went through. Oh, I believe it. And she said, I'll <laughs> tell you. She said, I know one thing, and that is that the song is wrong. The I song. said, what song? She says, away in a manger. She says, it says, the little Lord Jesus, no crying he, he, <laughs> he made. She says, that song, she says, in the hymn book, it says it was written by Anonymous. And she says, well, Anonymous has never been around a real baby. Because <laughs> she says, you were crying, and I'm sure Jesus was crying too. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think there's, there's beauty in her words because I think having me on Christmas made the birth of the baby Jesus very real to her. Yeah. It wasn't a manger scene with Mary in her nice little blue dress. And, you know, she realized that that, that, that and j they're just lovingly gazing at the baby. She realized what they went through. And she realized that, uh, that it wasn't a, a manger scene or a Christmas card image, but rather it was real. It was a real birth of a real baby who really descended below all things, whose condescension brought him from the throne of heaven to a stable, which was probably a cave, into a manger, which was probably made of stone. You know, I talked to a young man who's a convert, and he's at BYU, and he's from uh, East Indian descent. Mm. I had the most wonderful experience talking to him because this is his first Christmas as a Christian. Oh. He's come from Hindu background. Yeah. And he didn't know the Christmas story. And when I told him Luke 2, which you almost have from memory because of all of our traditions. Sure. I said, she wrapped her baby in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. He says, what's a manger? I said, it's a trough for feeding animals. He said, was Mary a bad mother? 
And I said, no, just very poor and very rejected. It made it feel so real to me. And I think that's what my mom experienced too. My mom and dad would speak very tenderly of that because it made it real to them. Yeah. And I think we all need to have that moment when Christmas becomes real to us, not just a little pageant we put on, but the memory, remembering a real birth of a real baby, yeah. a real mom, and a real Heavenly Father. Well, let's let's get back to your book because it, it this transitions really well because the whole concept of your book feels like these inspirational stories to help us see the different aspects of the Christmas story and make it more real for us. I am so glad. You, you have no idea what that does to my little author-teacher <laughs> heart because that's exactly what I wanted to do. I just wanted so desperately, how do you make Christmas new? Right. And I wanted to write something that would leave people saying, I've never thought of shepherds that way before. I've never thought of wise men that way before. I've never thought of the star that way before. Or the poinsettias. I've never thought that. of poinsettias that way yeah. before. I, I wanted so desperately to let people see Christmas afresh because then maybe they could get past all the stereotypes and images of Christ and he could be looked at afresh as well. Yeah. And so this this book, it's not very big. Oh, heavens, no. It's just so short. In fact, my editor at Deseret Book kept saying, shorter, 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 shorter. <laughs> because we wanted it to be something that wouldn't overwhelm people at the Christmas season. Right. You know, something that could just be used for, for thoughts and talks and uh, lessons in home evenings and something that could be shared uh, without taking tons of time. Well, this, this to me, I, as I was reading through it, all I could think was, this would be great to curl up in a ball on the couch with a cup of hot chocolate oh, yeah. and read it every Christmas as a tradition. Oh, that's right? so sweet. To keep that spirit of Christ at the heart of what we're doing with Christmas because it is easy to lose that. Yeah. Even in the mission field, sometimes it's... It, it's easy to turn inward. Uh, what don't I have? What? Who? Who am I not how around? How far away am I? How far away? And all these different things where we begin to see it. It's not the light, but the dark that we we tend to see in those moments. But hashtag uh, false advertising. <laughs> right. Exactly. Christmas is a time of joy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. So this helped me to see those different aspects oh, of Christmas good. better, and it again makes it something that is approachable every year without. It's not a Jesus the Christ, yeah. which is wonderful as that is. It's a bit of a tome yeah. to go through. And so this this is something that you can digest a lot And I easier. just hope that every time people pick it up, they walk away saying, yeah, I never thought of it like that before. Yeah. I This gives me a new perspective, a fresh view of it. Yeah. Because that's so important. Yeah. Well, as far as Christmas in the mission field goes, do you have any story, one story maybe that you want to share? <laughs> I that, probably already shared. That, that, well, uh, <laughs> true, you've shared some, but uh, if there's any others, you know, you're welcome to. Or um, any last thoughts to a missionary that might be out in the field and and struggling to find that joy? Well, you know, um, 
I think I served in Chile at a, at a kind of a unique time because we were there with Elder Holland. Okay. He had been sent by President Hinckley because things had gotten a little out of control. Oh. There were a lot of baptisms that were happening that weren't happening appropriately. There was a lot of growth in the church without a lot of leadership to be able to maintain that growth. Okay. And so there'd been a big enough focus on numbers, 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 and everybody was so thrilled that they could get numbers that they didn't stop to think about whether that was a true reflection of real growth or whether it was just kind of a, a game. Gotcha. And so it it was kind of a hard time that the country had been through. And finally, Elder Holland made some hard decisions, including saying that, no, you can't get baptized unless you're married. Prior to that, they because divorce was not legal and divorce was difficult, the church had recognized what they called common law marriages right. and allowed people to get baptized even though they weren't officially divorced or officially married if they'd been together long enough. Well, Elder Holland said no. Mm. So baptisms plummeted. And a lot of missionaries who had been very excited about, you know, hey, I'm serving in Chile. This is baptism capital of the world. I'm going <laughs> to get all these numbers that I can brag to my friends about. I think it was kind of hard. Humbling. For them to realize that that's not always what we're about. And I guess my message to missionaries, my message to missionary families, my message to all of us is to remember that Baptism is one way of measuring success on a mission. And for too many years, I think it's been the only way. And we have a lot of missionaries who feel discouraged because we live in a world where fewer and fewer people are willing to talk about organized religion. They, they don't want to hear messages of the restored gospel. And I think missionaries face a lot of rejection, and so then they feel like, God, I'm failing. And I guess I just want any missionary who hears this to remember that we can look at Alma as a success. He left the judgment seat, he went out to preach, and he hit city after city where he was very effective. But then he reached Ammonihah, and he reached people who had hardened their hearts. And he was rejected. Remember, Alma was the same. The message was the same. But the people were different. And we can't always judge our success on someone else's choice. And we have to remember that so many things in the gospel are dependent on the agency. Yeah. We can't judge our success as parents because children use their agency to do things we won't, would not want them to do. We can't judge our success as ministers or as priesthood leaders or as missionaries because other people are using their agency to make other choices. We have to remember that there are other ways to measure success, and one of those ways is if we ourselves are drawing closer to the Savior through that mission experience and whether it's at Christmas time or any time. Yeah. And uh, so don't be so quick, missionaries, families of missionaries, mission presidents, don't be so quick to say, 
oh, hey, if you're just more obedient, then sure, you're going to baptize. Let's just remember that there's agency involved and that there are other ways to measure success yeah. in missions and in our lives. Excellent. The book is Because of the Messiah in a Manger by Brad Wilcox. Thank you again for all your Christmas messages and your mission stories. It's greatly appreciated. Can you ever talk to anybody and say, <laughs> will you share a mission story and have them say no? No. <laughs> That's right. We love Everybody sharing shares those mission stories. stories. That's right. So thank you. Thanks for listening. And thanks for reading. I'm very honored that you've yeah, taken time absolutely. to read. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for listening to this episode, this Light the World episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. We hope you've felt inspired with the Christmas spirit as you've listened to these wonderful thoughts and the inspiration that, that has gone into Brother Wilcox's book. Please go check it out at Deseret Book. We'll have a link to it in the posting of this episode at LDSMissionCast.com. If you would like to listen to any past episodes, you can do so also at LDSMissionCast.com or wherever you find our podcasts, whether it be on Stitcher, and iTunes, Google Play, and now on Spotify. So thank you all for listening to the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. Stay tuned for next week. Next week is a special double episode. We not only have some excellent, excellent thoughts from our guest, Dr. Mike Goodman, who is going to talk to us about the difference between doctrines and policies and how we can help reframe our faith in such a way to understand the core doctrines of the gospel. But we're also going to be featuring some of the content that I will be recording while I am in Nigeria filming a documentary about the history of the church in Western Africa, specifically in Nigeria. I hope to talk to the mission president there and some of the local saints. And if I'm able to do that, then I will have a chance to share some of that content with you here. So you'll get to hear some wonderful stories about the growth of the gospel there. I'm so excited to bring that all to you. So please stay tuned for the next episode of Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. And remember, go light the world in this holiday season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.